0: Afternoon everybody, it's great to be here again this afternoon and to be able to share this journey through some of the parables that Jesus told. If you were able to be with us uh, last week, um, you would have heard us uh, maybe in the discussion talking about the idea of parables. I think one of the amazing things that we see in parables in these very brief stories is it gives a very grounded uh, reality of the experiences of the hearers, the reality of the way people uh, very near to Jesus would have uh, been interpreting their life. But it also gives us the opportunity through story, through narrative to really think deeply. What does the kingdom of heaven mean? What does it mean to belong to the kingdom of heaven? What's the impact of the kingdom of heaven? Am I part of that kingdom of heaven? All of those great questions can be answered uh, as we work through not just the stories that Jesus told, but also at times the way he explained those stories. The one that we're looking at this afternoon is about the shortest that you could imagine. It's one sentence. Imagine the picture. Jesus, as Dave read, read for us, is speaking to people from a boat. Huge numbers of people have been following Jesus. He's become um, an an impacting figure in the community. Uh, Everybody wants to listen to him, hear from him. So many people gather that he ends up sitting in a boat and that boat some way out from the shore so that everybody was on the shore uh, listening to Jesus as his voice came across uh, the water. The kingdom parable that we're looking at this week is the one about yeast. It reads in verse 33 like this. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed it into about 30 kilograms of flour until it worked all through the dough. Just such a simple story. Uh, a woman takes some yeast. Actually, the, the original text probably suggests that the word is actually leaven rather than yeast. That's certainly what's in the, uh, the authorised version of the Bible, but most of us don't know what leaven is. I had to look it up. Leaven is actually a little bit of the dough from the previous week or the previous batch uh, that contains the yeast. Uh, And she would add this to, just have a look at that, 30 kilos of flour. That is a lot of flour. Huge amount of flour that this woman is adding a tiny amount of leaven or yeast uh, and then mixing it into this flour. Um, I'm guessing that maybe she worked in a bakery. Huge amount of flour. But significantly, it's, it's probably just the kind of thing that was going on a few hundred meters probably from where Jesus was, in the village or in the town nearby, people would have been going about their day-to-day chores doing just this kind of thing. And Jesus picks up on that tiny little idea and he says the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's a fascinating parable and I want us to just notice Three things at the beginning of this. The other parables that we've looked at, they've talked about the value of the kingdom, they've talked about its worth. This one's slightly different. The first thing that we see in the focus of this parable is something different from what we've looked at previously. It's something that happens, it's what the kingdom does rather than what it is. Belonging to this kingdom this little piece of leaven that that impacts the rest of the flour and water that it's mixed with, that tiny little bit of yeast or leaven changes the rest of the flour. We sit back here millennia later and think on that and we realize this. The kingdom of heaven changes those who are part of it. It changes us. We are moved from one place to another. We become something different from what we previously were. Observed change, recognized change. The kingdom of heaven isn't just a simple ticket to heaven. It's an impact on lives. It's an impact through this community that has grown across the, the whole of the planet over these past 2000 years and continues to grow communities that are being changed by the impact of this tiny little bit of yeast and leaven, which changes those who are part of it. I think one of the ways in which that can be almost a burden for us is when we think to ourselves, but I just don't feel as if I'm changing. I don't feel as if I'm progressing. I, I mourn the fact that I'm not what I ought to be. I want to encourage you this afternoon, if sometimes that's your experience, if sometimes that's how you feel about your journey as a believer in Jesus, that I'm not what I ought to be, even thinking like that is a change. For you to be changed so that for me to be changed so that the things that I am not are now something that troubles me, that I'm concerned about, is a change in and of itself. We, we are changed when we become part of this kingdom. The second thing that we see is it's a tiny little thing that changes a huge amount how does that tiny little piece of yeast or leaven change the rest of the huge amount um, of flour and water and what whatever else is added in? Well, look at what is described. It's the way yeast works. The woman works it. She mixes it into the rest of the flour and and this little bit of yeast works on the next bit of flour and water, which works on the next bit of flour and water, and gradually it permeates the whole of the dough. What does that say to us? How does that impact us? The second important thing when we see the way in which the tiny thing changes the large is this. It's it's us together. It's the the belonging to something which is changed as a large thing that is the significance. It's the movement from me to us. It's the movement from being outside to belonging. It's the movement where I become an impactor, where you become an impactor of that change in those that are around you, not by what we can do, but because that thing which has been introduced into this dead mix of flour and water is sufficient to change us, to move us, so that we become impactors on those around us. So the first thing that we see is it's what it does rather than what it is. Second, it's the tiny thing that changes, the large thing. The third thing is this. It's something coming from the outside, coming into that dead flour and water that makes the change. Yeast is alive. It's a living thing. The flour and the water is dead. But when something living comes into that dead flour and water, it it's that living impact which changes. The flower is just flower without the power of the kingdom coming into it, changing it and moving it. Paul thinks on this and he he writes about this to the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 7 he says this, when there's a dispute about who's the greatest uh, of the of the leaders of the church or the preachers of the church he says well so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow that's what Paul sees as he reflects on the impact of the power of God working in the flower and water of the kingdom of heaven it is the impact of the living thing coming into the dead thing, the impact of the power of God, which changes, which reinvigorates, which brings life to one and then another, which impacts another, which impacts another, which impacts another. I don't know where everybody is who's watching this either live or or maybe on catch up is, is from or what your background is, but For some reason, you're drawn to be joining us this afternoon or to be listening in. For all of us, that moment of engaging with the message of the Bible, with the message of Jesus, we come to it in some way, through something. Somehow, we're not not cold and then we're enlivened to it in a vacuum. Something has gone on in our lives which has caused us to be here today to be listening to this right at this moment what has caused that in your life who how were the situations the people the conversations the posting online that you've read this the person who took time to to do something to say something to be something which has impacted you or me so that Here we are, maybe for some of us, years and years of our Christian faith is the outcome of what somebody had done back then. Maybe for some of us it's that first moment of engagement and thinking and considering. That's the yeast. Somebody else has been impacted by this living thing that has come into the body, which has caused them to be moved in such a way that has ended up in you hearing, In me hearing, and here we are now, where Jesus is saying the reason that that has happened is precisely because the living yeast has become part of the dead flour and water, and it is being worked through the dough so that it all comes alive. It's a powerful thing, isn't it? To see that that is what Jesus promised, and that is what we see happening day in and day out you know as I've been thinking about this and the situation that we're in I may be thinking a lot over the past few weeks and months about what what is the church what is the kingdom of heaven in the situation that we're in I think one of the things that has really impressed on my mind what 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 is the kingdom what is this living thing is is to realise and to recognise and to to think about the fact that we come in weakness. That's something that I think is very important when we think about the kingdom of heaven. And it's really been impressed on my mind over the past months, year year or so, coming up coming up to a year, as we've been going through this remarkable situation its weakness its brokenness we don't like to think about that we certainly don't like to think about the church in that way but but let's step back and see whether this idea of weakness is something that we really need to consider i would put it as so far to say that weakness is the glory of the church it's the glory of the church paul writes in another letter to the Corinthians it's the second letter chapter 12 and verse 7 to 9 he's been working through this incredible journey of ministry and then at some point in his journey of ministry he is oppressed he's he's really um, impacted by something that he describes as a thorn in the flesh Look at what he says. We don't, we don't need to know what it is. All that we need to know is the impact that it had on him and the outcome of that impact. Look at what he says. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Con- conceit is almost the, the opposite, isn't it, to weakness? Weakness comes with no conceit. Conceit comes with that sense of personal strength. And Paul says, I recognize that I was threatened because of my own human nature. I was under threat of becoming self-sufficient, becoming personally strong, believing that it is all about me. And therefore, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, To torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I think that they are some of the most important words that should be written over our thinking of the church. My grace is sufficient for you. Why is my grace sufficient for you? For, because my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient because my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul's response is this, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me the thing that he realized, the the idea that he came to was this, that the glory and the power of the church, the glory and the power of the kingdom of heaven, and one of the aspects, one of the characteristics of that yeast that impacts the whole of the dough, that changes the whole of the dough, is that we become those who are consciously weak, So that we can look to the power of Jesus Christ and not our own power. We don't want to think about that, but we are confronted to think about that. We are encouraged to think about that when we are on our knees, feeling like we cannot carry on. We are lifted up by that truth. This year, I think, has made us more aware than ever, that we are vulnerable and weak. And yet our society continues to tell us that our emotional, spiritual, psychological uh, issues can be dealt with by an inner strength, by an inner self-regard, by an inner self-esteem. And so the idea, it seems to me, is in conflict with that very idea of hope in Jesus Christ. It, it it hates the idea that strength and hope is outside of us as strong people. But I think, maybe in the words of Paul Simon, I think he, he hit the nail on the head of what it means when we become totally self-absorbed. I am a rock. I think it's some of the most powerful words on a winter's day in a deep and dark December. I am alone there's the picture painted you can almost see him sitting on the window ledge gazing from my window to the streets below on a freshly fallen silent shroud of snow i am a rock i am an island it's almost in those first few ver- few words he kind of says i'm strong i'm i'm confident but look at how it unfolds i've built walls A fortress deep and mighty that none may penetrate. I have no need of friendship. Friendship causes pain. Its laughter and its loving I disdain. I am a rock. I am an island. When we look only internally for strength, we separate ourselves from others who can be the impacting of that strength. But when we put ourselves in the hands of others who let us down, we end up with the refrain, it is friendship that causes pain. I have no need for that friendship. Do you see the dilemma? If we rely on our own strength, we become hardened, and we don't muster up the strength to be changed to be spiritually refreshed. And yet when we look at others alone, we find that that friendship equally isn't going to be able to sustain because that lets us down. Poetically ironic, this idea that I can be a rock, but actually I am broken inside. So how does the kingdom of heaven right that challenge? How does the kingdom of heaven become something more, something greater where Jesus is the strength and the power and the glory that my weakness can be secured through? I think it's this, and it's a description you would probably, if you've been around Christchurch, long enough the kingdom of heaven the, the kingdom of heaven that we see at the moment one of the things that the bible makes really clear is the kingdom of heaven is belonging to that is belonging to something including those who have already secured an eternal hope by leaving this earth and being secured eternally but but the kingdom of heaven that we can see at the moment is is the church and it seems to me that the church is far more a field hospital for the spiritually broken. As Jesus said, for those who know that they are sick. What does that look like? How can we how can we draw another parable today? You know, before the pandemic, I think we went through a period of time where there was almost an emerging, maybe it's carrying on in, doubts about vaccination and all of that kind of thing, I think there was almost a a cynicism towards the medical community. Maybe that medical community, I don't know, maybe that medical community kind of almost reinforced that response because it seemed to have a, a kind of superior kind of attitude. But I think there's a shift that has taken place, which is such a powerful picture. What we've seen over this past year is the heroes that have emerged in our community are precisely those individuals who are are at the front line of this pandemic. We've called them NHS heroes and heroes in the care community and anybody on the front line that's absolutely right why are they heroes it's not because of their authority but it's because they are there in their own brokenness pictures of intensive care nurses with the, the marks of having to wear a mask for a, an 11-hour shift the end of a devastating, emotionally draining shift, pictures which look so fraught. They've become the treasures. They've become the heroes. Not, not because they are superior. Not because they can necessarily solve the problem, but because they are there in the brokenness. And it seems to me that if the church got hold of that idea, if we understood what that meant, we would see the power of Jesus working in a remarkable way. Because the church so often tries to become superhero locations. Dynamic leaders striding forward in amazing platforms. And it seems as though congregations are filled in churches with people who are charged up, but at the same time are on the very knife edge of disillusionment and cynicism because it doesn't work out the way they hope. And we've lost all of our sense, all of our idea that actually the church is made strong in its brokenness, not because we've got the answers, not because your church leaders have got some sort of superior idea no no but because in their brokenness they're just in that field hospital seeking to help seeking to secure seeking to encourage that's the picture of the church and then suddenly in that brokenness in that little thing that is going on those words that are Not the best words at times, but they're the words that are seeking to help and seeking to encourage. Something remarkable goes on because the power of the yeast that has come in from outside starts to work. It starts to change, it starts to encourage. What is the yeast? It seems to me that in the flow of the picture, one of the things that yeast is, is it's something coming in from outside. What does that remind us of? Well, it reminds me of Jesus. It seems to me as though Jesus is the one who comes in from the outside and brings life to the dead ingredients. He's the one who brings hope. He's the one who continues to work by the power of the Holy Spirit, bringing encouragement to the next, to the next, to the next. And in our brokenness, like an intensive care unit, we are seeking just to do what we can so that we might see the power of Jesus working in people's lives. There's an old Persian adage which is this, this too shall pass. I think it's a great phrase, not because it's uh, just a hopeful idea, but actually because I think it's precisely what the Bible teaches us. It's precisely why there is hope. Again, Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15:52, and he says this, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, the dead will raise imperishable, and we will be changed. Are you discouraged because you've not changed as much as you want to? Let me promise you this. If that is discouraging you, there's going to come a day when you will change. When I will change. What will we say then? We'll say that it is written. That what is written will come true. And it's this. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Why? Because the one who is changing the, the dead flower and water by the power of the Holy Spirit working through the dough has secured eternal life. He has lived through death to life. So that one day we can be changed and we can be like him that is the power of the kingdom and our weakness made perfect in his strength
1: hi paul all right uh yeah thanks for that Mm. that was um that was brilliant i'm just gonna um kick right off because we don't have long but let me just jump straight in that was a let me just reference the encouragement that that was to me, and maybe to other people that God. But I think we're always we we are we always we're always looking for this change, aren't we? And so, so in my job as a pastor, I'm always I always make the mistake of thinking I've got there to the place where I'm now going to have it all together. And I think we I think we all have that a little bit. We reach these milestone birthdays or new points in our life, and we think. You know, this is the point where we've we've reached it all, and yet life is constantly finding us out. Mm. And it's great to know that even within that, uh, God doesn't give up. God doesn't see us reach a point where we, you know, we mess up so bad and go, oh, "There's no way back for this person." God is still working away at us um, by His Spirit, if we let Him. So, thank you for that. That was um, that was really helpful. All right. Um. So. Let me summarize the kingdom of God. Um, we've figured out that it is—it's like it's God's rule and reign. It's God's perfect rule and reign. It's—it's um, it's this thing that we keep saying this phrase. It's now and not yet. There's a sense in which it's not—you know—it's not fulfilled. It's not—it's not all that it's going to be, and yet it exists now with us, and we can sense it um, just now. Yet it's this quite mysterious thing that exists. Inside of us, as you said, it's born out of uh, the faith that we have, born out of the hope that we have in Christ, born out of that uh, the Spirit working within us. I'm just wondering, given given the story that we've looked at, given that parable, how do we see? How do you think we see this this yeast um, working its way, this weakness, as as I think part of you described it, working its way through the door today? How does that? What does that look like? Do you think?
0: Yeah, I think um, I think one of the things that Paul understood the kingdom working in him w- was precisely that losing of self-reliance and gaining of Christ-reliance. And I think I think that I don't know. Maybe maybe the more life goes on, the more you realise that we've not got control of things. That even when we're in the best of places in our minds, things can upend us in a moment um that so many of our motivations uh, are, they have two sides to them, you know, that there's a sense in which there is a good in there, but there there is also always that shadow of self in so much of what we do, Um I think you become more and more conscious of that, and in a way that breaks you more, but secures you more. Uh, and I think sometimes for Paul, that that had to be worked out in a dramatic way. Um, this thorn in the flesh, whatever it was, don't care what it was, to be honest. It, it's the impact that it had on him. It stopped him from becoming conceited and it made him rely on Christ. Um, that That seems to me to be ultimately what yeast work is, because that's what, that's what us being redeemed, us being sanctified, us being changed ultimately is. It's it's us ourselves being broken so that we can be remade in the way that we ought to be all the time. Um, and I think that, that that yeast idea is that we, bo- we mostly find that worked out um, when we are immersed, shaped, by others who are working it out as well uh, and that's the church
1: that that's why the, so it the, works on a personal level yeah as if i read you right so it's a sense in which it this yeast finds its way in like as it sanctifies us it it works its way into our lives into the mm-hmm. the dark areas that we don't f- often find exposed and also yeah. it it manifests itself in the church it it, it fills you know it works its way through all the dough of the world. In that sense, you know is that right? Is it kind of yeah, works yeah. out there.
0: Well, well, I mean, the the church is us, isn't it? In that sense, it, it's it's that it's that coming together. It's that as Jude, I think Jude mentioned it maybe last week, that idea that that the Holy Spirit dwells within us as as a body as a community. Um, that's that's the yeast working in all of that. Flour and water—that's together at that time—that's being changed, that's being reshaped. I think this year for the church has been um, mm. a remarkable time of being challenged, maybe, mm. um, so that we are forced to maybe rely more on Him rather than our own structures and ideas and uh, ways of doing things. And I pray that I pray that it will be
1: used for good. Yeah, that's definitely been like yeast working its way through the door. I think everybody's felt that a little bit. The separation from the normal Christian routine has made us all stand up and go, right, so what is this thing that I've got? How is that going to figure itself out now without uh, the usual, I go to church then and I see these people then and I I do this then, and we've kind of all been made to rethink that a little bit, haven't we? And I guess that's, you know, maybe there are elements of that that is, that will be good for us you know as we think that stuff through
0: yeah, yeah absolutely and i think it it reshapes our attitudes towards each other it reshapes our attitudes towards what we are as part of the church now a few years ago i i reached a point where physically i was just battered and unable to carry on in the way that i thought was laid out in front of me but that that was a A moment of realizing that my reliance is outside of me it's outside of the plans that i had it's outside of the structures that i thought were there um and that's that's part of being part of the church as well because the church continues through all of those things and it secures us through those things as well i think it it breaks down the expectations of leaders who think that they um, are secure. Hmm. It breaks down expectations of us as people who are part of the church when we have expectations of those leading, that they should be something that they're patently not, when actually they're jars of clay, which which bear a great message. It's a, It's a wonderful leveler of our expectations and the, a wonderful exalter of of the hope in
1: jesus well, i guess this is sorry go on, Paul.
0: It, because it's it won't always be like this you know if if this was as good as the church gets it, it will be a, if this is as good as the kingdom of heaven gets it's still worth more than no kingdom of heaven in my view mm. but but
1: that's not where it ends <laughs> so don't let us what we're saying is don't let us put you off <laughs> um ch- heaven's gonna you know spending eternity with god this is just a, a an imperfect glimpse what we with beautiful moments along the way though you know i really miss oh, some of our times at Christchurch. oh
0: absolutely no. because that that actually i think this year should be kind of pushing us into that moment of yearning desperately for that mm-hmm. to be back <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. It's Which isn't possibly no bad, way,
0: no bad thing, maybe way more important
1: than than we yeah. might have
0: treated it in the past.
1: There's definitely things I'm, well, one of the things I'm realizing is the value of good teachers as I try and attempt homeschooling grossly and adequately at the moment. You, I'm really missing, I'm really valuing our education system. And yeah, at the same time, I'm really missing church and just really missing, just bumping into people and mm. allowing God through his spirit you know mm-hmm. to to put somebody in my way as it were and you know yeah. to, for me to meet a new friend or for me to you know have somebody hear my story and help you know mm-hmm. help me out because god mm-hmm. does work like that i guess doesn't he yeah. through his spirit Absolutely. i was going to ask you um if there's if there's any of the parables of the kingdom that's particularly affected you um so I, i've i've got one that i can just um while your mind's going if you want and i guess we'll, we'll wrap it up real quick but there's a so have a look at the parable of the unmerciful servant it is um yeah it's in if if if, if you're looking to carry on your study after, after this it's uh, matthew 18 it starts at verse 21 this is a, a read through the story and because always i get to that place where i think And what the parables do is they pull the rug from under your feet you think you're reading about how bad somebody else is sometimes and then you realize oh man no that's 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 actually a lot like me so in this story um the king forgives the guy who comes along Hmm. and you think oh that's the lesson he's met the good king and he's going to pass that on but he doesn't you know he doesn't pass that on and he's, he's woefully exposed and the amount of times that that parable Uh, Rings true for me and causes me to reconsider my place Mm. in the kingdom is just,
0: yeah, yeah, it's powerful. I'm
1: guessing it will roll on decade after decade. Um, that God will pull the rug from under my feet and go, Yeah, you keep you're not the character that you think you are, Mm. you know,
0: yeah,
1: in a a lovely, gentle storytelling way. It'll it'll point me back in the right direction
0: again. That's that's the power of the parables, isn't it? They're stories which we can relate to so much and, and can kind of keep on thinking and thinking about and thinking about i think um that that particular one has had a big impact on my thinking over the years but i think i don't know whether i'm i think we're a lot of us are like this i i kind of i'm really moved by the thing that i've last seen (laughs) and and i'd not really thought about the parable of uh of yeast in quite the way that I've, i've enjoyed and been forced to think through and I'm like, wow, there's so much in this. You could you could talk about this for the next month, the different facets. I mean we've only looked at weakness as being one of the facets of the way in which we're changed. There's just so many ways in which we're changed. But there you go.
1: Yeah, keep reading the stories of the parables. Yeah. Um, Paul, I just wonder if you could just close with a short word of prayer yeah, for us. Of course. Thank you.
0: Father we thank you that um in our weakness Our hope is not in our strength, but our hope is in the strength of Jesus, who has proven that he will triumph because he has triumphed. We pray that we might look to him more day by day. We might find our hope in him and that we might be able to recognize and be encouraged by those tiny little changes that are going on by the work that you're doing in our lives, if we don't yet know that change going on, we pray, Father, that you would speak to us in a way which is irresistible in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Thanks for joining us, everyone. Have a great week. Take care. See you.